Welcome to NCAST, the podcast from NOPS. Each week, we'll explore the world of cloud cost management, the latest in AWS optimization, and getting practical about your FinOps journey. Join us as we dive deep into the latest trends, tools, and best practices while having conversations with leaders and luminaries who are innovating on the front lines. Our goal is to provide value to the community through insights and practical advice that will help you to achieve your FinOps goals. So whether you're in engineering, leadership, finance, or a cloud professional, this is the place for you. Sit back, relax, and get ready to join the conversation on NCAST. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of NCAST. Uh, I'm really happy that that we're able to to continue a series that that we're doing with with some professionals over at the the AWS Optics team. Uh, they are the absolute experts in in AWS cloud financial management. And today, I've got Wade Peel, who is a senior FinOps success manager with the Optics team. Wade, maybe you'd like to introduce yourself and and tell us about. What is your role and, and what is this optics team over at AWS? Yeah, thanks, James. So uh, I've been at AWS for almost seven years now. The entire, entire time I've been here has been in FinOps or cost management, helping our customers with things like purchase option optimization that we're going to get into today. And uh, at the end of last year, I joined the optics team at AWS. And some of our viewers here might know the optics team, um, but essentially we're a FinOps team and we support some of our strategic customers here at AWS. And uh, we have several different roles on the team, including solutions architects that are dedicated to cost management. And my specific role is um, helping our customers to um, take action. One of the hardest things that we can do in FinOps, right? Take action on these opportunities, helping them to drive those opportunities home. And that's a, a newer role. And that's where the FinOps success manager comes from. Cool. Well, I know one of the most daunting tasks and 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 actually the, the thing that comes with, with the most responsibility and the 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 kind of the the most impact can be making commitments on on behalf of an organization. So, uh, you know, we we can call them by by many names. They are pricing plans um that they, they they have different attributes. Yeah, the, with the there's a, a concept of of committing to to usage of certain types of uh, of AWS services and and certain um classes and and then there there are simpler programs and on the other end of the spectrum, it 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 gets into to available capacity. So let's start the conversation by by understanding what's the landscape. What are the the different options available when it comes to to committing? Yeah, good question. So uh, probably a lot of people have heard the term reserved instance, um, and even that name of itself can be a little bit of a misnomer for some folks. You know, thinking that to have an instance I could go touch in a in a data center somewhere, right? So the the idea of reserved instance is really it's a billing construct, and it's a way in which we can um, pay less for what we're using. I, I like to use the analogy of it's like a parking spot. If I drive to work and I pay for parking and I pay at the meter, I'm paying for the hours that I'm parked there. That's like on demand. But if I drive every single day to the office, I'm probably going to get my own spot and I'm going to get a discount compared to that hourly rate that I'm paying at the meter. 
But if I don't drive to work tomorrow, I still paid for that spot, whether I parked there or not. And I can't park two of my cars in that same spot at, at the same time to try to make up for not parking there the previous day. So that's very much like the same concept as a reserved instance. It's that I'm paying for usage 24 hours a day, seven days a week for an entire one or three year term, whether I use it or not, but we're going to get a steep discount compared to the on-demand price in exchange for making that commitment. And so we have that basic product, the reserved instance, and then we've had some developments throughout the years of, of, of other products. And another one that most people are probably familiar with, it's called a savings plan. It's essentially the same exact thing as a reserved instance, um, but it's going to give us a lot more flexibility. Uh, whereas a reserved instance, we're locked into our configuration a little bit more. Okay. And now where does spot fall, fall into to the whole ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah. So spots, spots, another great option in which we can save on AWS for our compute usage. Um, and so we had on demand, which is the pay as you go. And then we have the, the reserved instance or the savings plan. That's the commitment. Um, and spot is similar to on demand where we're only paying for the hours in which we're using, but it's the spot is a pool of capacity that AWS has that no other customers are currently using right now. So we're willing to give that capacity out up to 90% off compared to the on-demand price. But the catch is that uh, we could potentially recall that instance from you with a two-minute warning. And that gets a lot of people nervous about, you know, having an instance recalled from us. So it makes, so we have to have a fault tolerant, loosely coupled, you know, more modern type of workloads that can handle that potential interruption. Containerization is a, is a really good example of that. Right. Well, I mean, I know that we're going to get into to all kinds of, of interesting conversations uh, from, from our eyes to, to savings plans, to, to spot. And, you know, the, the thing is that, that any organization of scale is, is probably using some blend of, of these different commitment and, and available capacity options, which actually leads to, to additional complexity. Now, when done right, it, it, it can ensure that, that you're paying the absolute least possible for, for any instance that, that you're using at, at any given time. So let's get into to the, the decision-making process. You know, some people may think that, that our eyes are, are kind of the past and, and that savings plans are, are where it's at. But it, it, I mean, in, in both cases, there, there are implications be, because you and I know that that these things are are delegated in in our increments, which which may not be be obvious when when you're doing the sort sort of analysis. So it's not a bucket to use with within the month. It's a bucket to use within every hour of the the month in in both cases. So when we're trying to to analyze our our workload usage and, and think about what how much savings plan how much ri and then assuming and you know this is what nops is here to 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 help people with is is to to make spot adoption super easy and and to to make sure that these things are fully utilized but when i i'm making those decisions how do i understand what the blend is how far do i go with with my commitments how do i get started yeah i think the the path that a lot of people might look over when we're starting is let's start with really understanding what our on-demand usage is. 
if I did a lift and shift and I have a really over-provisioned instance, I could do some analysis on my RIs or savings plans and I could maybe make a purchase, but is that the right mix? You know, is that the right path forward for me? So I think um, where I see a lot of customers maybe mess up the first time they're doing an RI or savings plan is they think I need to buy an RI because that's going to save me money. And they might do it a little too soon before they've actually run the workload in, in a production environment or done some testing, load testing on it. So um that's one thing that we want to make sure is that we understand what our usage patterns look like so that we can make a more informed decision when we're making these commitments. Because again, it's a one or three year term that we're committing for. Let's kind of make sure we're doing the right thing. But assuming that we have an understanding of uh, what our usage patterns look like at a high level, we have some tooling at AWS that we can use to help with our analysis. Because like you mentioned earlier, this is an hourly commitment. It's not a bucket that I get a pull from whenever I want. I have to make a commitment to every single hour of the day. We need to analyze at an hourly level on the usage. Mm -hmm. And so AWS, we do have a native tool called Cost Explorer. It's like our out-of-the-box cost management tool. And it has some algorithms in there that are running all the time on behalf of customers to analyze their on-demand usage and make a recommendation for what's the ideal amount of savings plans or RIs to own. So that's a really good starting point. But that's just assuming that, you know, whatever in our last 30 or 60 days, whatever that algorithm is looking at is going to remain the same moving forward. So we got to think about what's the future look like? Is the last 30 days a good predictor of what our next year is going to look like? If we know we had a bunch of loads, uh, testing and, you know, development work, non-production stuff that isn't going to continue moving forward, we have to account for that with our analysis um, and, and you know, post-process that analysis to something that's... Um, more reasonable for us to purchase long-term. Uh, so lots of ways in which we can do that, you know, uh, but uh, just that's kind of at a high level, what you want to be thinking. Sure. And, you know, I was talking with, with Savannah from your team just the other day. And one discussion that we had is that there is really not a one size fits all solution, right? So one organization may, may be approaching with a, a goal to, to optimize their, their cloud spend by by a certain percentage. You know, one path to that is, is that 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 I lean more in into auto scaling, lean more in into to cloud native architectures, or or take the 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 very essential route of of pausing idle resources. I mean, turn things off when when they're not in use. Uh, well, an, another organization may may have the, those types of, of things already in place. And, and so getting to, to commitments and paying the, the lowest price for, for what you do use may be the, the, the right place to, to get started. Um, so I, I guess when I, I go into to, to making the, the, the decision, is, is there any guidance that, that you can, can provide as to, you know, like, like RI versus savings plan? Because at the end of the day, I think flexibility, right? Like the 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 thing that 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 I want to see uh, our customers, our clients uh, uh, who who are on the NOPS platform achieve is is the the ability to 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 have the maximum flexibility in in the future, which is why why we we often try to 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 focus on getting commitment levels to. To not the the maximum possible level, you know. Don't go buy everything you you see in Cost Explorer on on day one. It, it may save you money in in the short run, but but then when when you get your scaling issues worked out or 
or when you realize that that you you have performance benefits from from moving to to a new generation or or maybe looking at graviton or or maybe going to to an AMD processor there there's all kinds of price performance benefits so you know how do I make an an RI purchase is is it that 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 I know that that I'm going to be locked in into that family or are there different types of of RIs and even flexibility in in RIs you know let's start there yeah so couple of things I'm going to break this down into. Uh, one is, do we do RIs or do we do savings plans? And then right. the second part is, what's our purchase strategy? How do we like layer that in? Um, so just as a high level for everyone, just so they kind of understand where this came from, reserved instances on EC2 came first. And then customers basically said, like you were saying, I want more flexibility. Why can't I just commit to a certain amount of usage on AWS and I get the discount no matter what I use? And that's where we came out with the savings plans. Um, is to address that flexibility. And so at a high level, savings plans are going to save the exact same amount per hour, like for like as a reserved instance is. But we got to make sure we're comparing the correct things. So a standard reserved instance is going to save the exact same amount for the most part as a EC2 instance savings plan. And then a convertible reserved instance is going to save the exact same amount for the most part as a uh, compute savings plan. So when we're comparing like for like there though, you know, the RIs and savings plans, same discount, except the difference is with our savings plans, we're going to get way more flexibility. So with the RIs, I have to choose an instance configuration like C5s and USD one Virginia or like C5 large and USD one Virginia running Linux. Um, whereas a compute savings plan, I don't have to commit to a specific instance attributes at all. I commit to a certain amount of dollar spend per hour, say like 10 bucks an hour, and AWS will discount anything I use up to that $10 per hour. And that can be in any region, any instance type, and uh, any operating system. And it even works on serverless compute, Lambda and Fargate as well. So those compute savings plans are going to be our absolute most flexible that you can do. And then if we are running the same instance, families and generations, and we're operating in the same regions, and we don't think that's going to change, maybe we want to get a little bit more savings. And that's where those EC2 instance savings plans can come in. And they can give us a little bit more you know, percentage savings, and we're trading in some of that flexibility. Um, so when it comes to EC2 or compute, I tell customers, for the most part, let's go with savings plans or reserved instances. There are a few edge cases where customers might still prefer RIs. Um, and then it's just a matter of like, do we want maximum flexibility with the compute savings plan? Or do we know our workloads a little bit? We we know we're going to be on these families. We want to maximize savings. That's where EC2 instance savings plans can give us a little bit more percentage savings there. And then it comes in, well, how do we make this decision? Like you said, if I go into Cost Explorer and I analyze it, Cost Explorer is going to give me the total maximum dollar savings I can get with these commitments. And so we know that we don't want to purchase over that, but we most of the time want to purchase less than that. And so we, I always tell customers, you can never purchase less savings plans and reserved instances, but you can always purchase more, right? And to that flexibility that you're talking about, if we layer in our purchases over time, then they're not mm -hmm. all expiring at the same time of the at year, same right? Time. Right. Yeah, that gives us the ability to maybe we can't right size today, but we can right size six months from now because uh, it's going to take our time to do some development cycles around that. If we layer our purchases in, that gives us the savings plans falling off every three to six months. And that's the time when we can do the right sizing, move to Graviton or 
and and by the way, with our compute savings plans, you know, they're flexible. So we can always move to Graviton or or change our instance type, you know, anytime throughout the process, which is why it's I value that flexibility. Yeah, I so I see the this layering strategy every single day. Um, we 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 bring folks on, onto the platform who who are looking to to get financial controls, cost analysis, cost allocation, um, find optimization opportunities, and then the really who who are ready to to start that that journey of operationalizing automation around you know both both using less and paying less for for AWS and. The the thing that that I think is m m most helpful is you know during that that period where where you may be fully leveraged or or even heaven forbid underutilized on, on those savings plans and 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 I see that that happening every day. Uh, we we thought we were making good decisions. We we moved to to a different compute type. We 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 all of a sudden figured out our our auto scaling strategy. The the fact that that we have savings plans. Falling off in waves gives us good milestones to to say, all right, here's where where we can implement a different strategy. Let's get a scheduling strategy in place. Next fall off point. Now my my auto scaling is working really well. So now I I have an opportunity to to start taking advantage of, of spot, um, and and so I think that. That it's not just by by nature of being cautious, but but it's an actual strategy to 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 give yourself the the opportunity to make changes uh, along the the journey. Now, one of the 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 tricky things I I think when when you're getting into to making commitments it is really the the workload analysis. And so let's say that that we've got the flexibility piece in in play uh, if you really don't have a, a handle now now if you start with your your AWS invoice right let's start there uh, you start with your AWS invoice it tells me how much did, did I use in total uh, and then it, if I look at, at my daily usage I may have a very steady state daily usage but but you don't really see the the true state of of your workloads in, until you're looking at them with an hourly resolution. So you may be scaled up at b between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. running a bunch of batch workloads and and, and burning up you know uh, 40 percent of of your daily compute spend between those hours. And, right. and then scaling back down, and that's where where I think we we have to to be very cautious in in making those commitments. Is you have to look at your your workload patterns, not just on on a day to day basis, but but on a weekly basis. Does it look different over the weekends? Um, and and I know AWS tools are are pretty good at, at estimating what your 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 uh, savings plans. Utilize, utilizations will be and and you know i think the conventional wisdom might be that that i always have to have 100% utilization and and in a mature organization let's face it that's the end game you you don't ever want to have a, an unused commitment but how do you work with with customers 
everyday large enterprises. I, I know you're working with some pretty sophisticated organizations to help them get get a handle on their workload patterns so so that they they can make informed decisions. Yeah, uh, definitely a good point. And, and it's increasingly complicated if we're talking about a large enterprise, right? And we got multiple business units um, that are you know, maybe scaling up, scaling down at, at different times, right? Um, so yeah, completely agree that we we need to look at that. Cost Explore by default, you know, we can get daily usage, but um, we can get hourly usage there on Cost Explore, but it's only for 14 days. Um, and, and then of course, when our savings plans analysis tool is running, it is looking at, a, at an hourly level. Um, so definitely we, we want to understand that and understand it into how does it fit into our total purchase strategy? So, you know, maybe there's some of those instances that we're never going to target for a savings plan or RI because, you know, maybe like we talked about earlier, we want to have those, uh, instances on spot. If we can scale up and scale down really effectively, then spot can probably be a good way for us to, to use, um, uh, savings mechanism, but only pay put pay for what we use. And then another thing that we think about with those large enterprises is, can the um, the decrease in usage in one area of the business offset in a kind of the increase in usage in another area of the business? And so uh, it's a matter of how do we purchase our savings plans? Do we purchase them at a linked account level? at mm -hmm. a line of business level, you know, or, you know, organizational unit level, or we purchase them at the master payer level. Um, and then that can kind of have some implications into how we charge back those discounts, right? Um, if we purchase them at the master payer level, the discounts kind of go where they may. And then we might post process that a little bit later to reallocate the, the discounts back uh, in, in whatever way that the customer wants to. Um, so we want to be thinking about, um, what's not only our strategy for maybe my line of business, but do I have a central FinOps team that has some kind of purchasing strategy? How can I make those two work together? And we definitely have customers that do a hybrid of some purchase at the linked account level, because some of those linked accounts, they want to ensure they're getting their discount. Uh, and mm -hmm. then some purchase at the payer level, or we just want maximum savings, maximum ease of use, low operational burden, we just purchase everything at the payer level. So it's, there's not a, necessarily a right way to do it. It's just you got to think about what your business is, what's the priority, maximum savings or like maximum allocation. Um, and, you know, it's different for each customer in that sense. Well, I think what you've done here it, it is really, I mean, hey, we're, I, I don't want to say that that the subject space it, it is unapproachable. But you really have to to understand the the way that that these things are are applied, and you know what I think what one of the 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 prominent misunderstandings is is that that when I I buy a, a savings plan or or an RI that 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 the savings plan somehow covers my my usage in in real time but there's you know I, the way i always look at it is is that that those discount programs are are applied retroactively right. so you you're 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 doing usage right now and and then you know eight hours later whenever the the billing cycle happens to to generate the the cost and usage report there's very specific logic uh, about how those things are applied you know uh, that our our eyes are, are savings plans even you know in account first and and then with, with shared accounts and so what account you buy them in and 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 also do i have sharing enabled uh, at at the linked account level 
and and they can produce wildly different outcomes. You know, one one thing that that we see very commonly is that that one team will, will be making spot de- decisions be, because what they really only see is, is is their account, and that the they they don't have a way to to amortize the the cost of of, of the the savings plans or RRIs to to understand. Not only what is the the true cost of, of of what what they're spending, but but even to know that there's a po- possible underutilization situation that that me apparently from from my purview, you know, taking measures to to either reduce my my spend or or to to use a, an option like spot, it is actually leaving an, a commitment that that my organization has already paid for in a completely other account, totally unused, which, which is waste. It, it and and that's the the only way to look at it. Um, you know, I, I I will say that that this is is often a, a case to to start a, adopting third party tools. Um, I talk, you know, I'm I'm quite proud of the the tools that that we have around this in NOPS. Um, to 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 be able to to amortize to to build showbacks and and chargebacks that that show the view that's appropriate for your organization, right? But but I think that that what your message really impacts to me it is that that it it at a, a central FinOps team level. It, there's a lot of education that that needs to happen on on what the impact, what the the options are, and there there's a a, a way to skin it no no matter what what your your vision is. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I agree. Um, education is is one of the teams, not only about just FinOps in general, but I would just say cloud adoption. How do we accelerate our cloud adoption? Is we we can have tools. We need those. We also need a little bit of education here and there. This is an, a learning opportunity for everyone. Um, so, you know, that's what the optics team's here for uh, to help out with that as well. Um, but lots of great, you know, hopefully people are getting education from this session too. I'm hoping I, you know, can share that. But um, yeah, definitely communication between our business unit and our central FinOps team, it, I think is important as well. Um, if I'm an engineer, it's important for me to to know that I my usage is covered by a savings plan or RI. And then like sure. you said, have a tool that is showing me my relevant data only. I, I, as an engineer, I don't want to have to sort through every everyone else's data to figure out what's relevant to me. Just show me what I care about only, right? Show, show me what I need to know. And, and I guess it does beg back to, to the concept of, of unit economics. But, you know, I, I think that that just at, as the the size of your 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 AWS spend is not necessarily always directly proportional to to the size of your organization or or your ability to to employ you know uh multiple people who who are charged with with building finops culture and and at the the end of the day sometimes it a, a huge cloud spend can can come down to to the relationship between an engineering leader and a finance leader, CFO, and and the 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 VP of engineering, or 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 whatever that that pairing is. So, would I mean, I I think there's a case to to be made for for tooling even around uh for m- making commitments, right? Like, um, that and 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 
it, do you have the the capacity to to manage all of that? Maybe not. Maybe you you you're responsible for a huge spend on a, on a ragtag budget for for a small engineering team. Um, so so adopt tools and 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 then set a strategy to to make sure that that those tools are are buying to your goals, right? Because I know some tools out there will will, will chase that the absolute top commitment level and 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 sort of lock you out of, of future flexibility. But I think that the story more and more it is to to try and keep your your commitment levels at at a very sane level, and then to 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 chase the 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 overall coverage by using some combination of of other approaches. W would you say that's becoming more the standard? Yeah, absolutely. I would say especially with you know savings plans with the flexibility that that they add. I've seen that a lot more, uh, a lot more customers adopting microservices. Um, and it's, it's easier than ever to be able to deploy into both spot and savings plans if we need to, and on demand, you know, with microservices uh, via a tool or even through like uh, EC2 fleet on AWS, you know, you can, you can elect that you want it to target a certain percentage spot coverage. Percentage, yep. Right. And I've seen a lot of customers do that. And then if we need the workload to run, you know, whether spots available or not, you can also set that up too. And it, it would run in on demand in a, you know, you know, scenario where you want to make sure it gets run, you know, if spots not available. Right. Right. So, so focusing, you know, I, I, I always think that, uh, that we, we actually have, have a guest on, on this, this podcast who, who, who we're quite fond of, who, who's a big player in the FinOps, uh, in FinOps space merits. And, and she, she has a, a pretty famous saying in the, the FinOps book that, that if you know security is job zero, that then FinOps is, is job 0.5. Um, right? It, it it's definitely before one. And so I think investing in the the right tools with with ROI and and the, the right type of, of automation um, to to make this sustainable because you know, what what I see if if we get into to advanced tooling is that that there are tools out there. Um, you know, we I I work on on tools every day that 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 get that one step closer to to making sure you're you're always on an option that that will fully leverage that commitment that that'll push the the right percentage to to spot, and then I, I look at right sizing tools like Vertical Pod Autoscaler. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that 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 people are increasingly um offloading tasks that 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 were traditionally thought of as, as tasks that that only you know finance and, and accounting teams could could manage to to automations that 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 just do it better it, it do, do you see a, 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 I, I guess in in organizations that that you work with I bet there there's both extremes that there there's that we have a highly sophisticated fin, <coughs> finops program and to to the opposite extreme that there, there are those who who are just crazy good at at, at using the, this tooling yeah, and I think some of the customers I'm working with as well, uh, some of their maybe leadership might be driving some of that as well. Uh, 
other com some customers are more comfortable automating uh, some of these optimizations, and then others are wanting to go through cycles of approval processes before making a commitment. Um, and so I think that's part of it as well is like automation, I think, is a way in which we can scale our, our optimizations, um, especially at a large enterprise. We can't you know, uh, deploy every single instance by ourselves in a large enterprise, we need to scale it to a tool like, like we're talking about. Um, but when we're coming to making some of these commitments, I think going back to the education piece, we need to also not only educate our engineers and, and folks on, on what these commitments are and how we want to better utilize them, but we've got to educate our finance people as well on, uh, some of these commitments, um, uh, CapEx versus OpEx and, and getting people comfortable with, with that as well. Because if it takes us three months to go through a purchase process to get a savings plan approved, that just is a lot of operational burden that we're churn and burn that we're kind of going through. So we want to be able to fully utilize some of these automation tools. And that is we got to have some uh, efficient processes on the back end for like, you know, approvals. Right. So, you know, I think we've spent a, a tremendous amount of time here talking about compute. Um, you know, I, I do look at just almost as much as EKS or Kubernetes is a compute provisioner or a managed compute provisioner that 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 runs your compute bill. Um, RDS and, and databases uh, ha have their their own unique characteristics and 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 are built in in a variety of, of different ways. We haven't even talked about storage. So maybe you know, hey, compute it, it continues to be the the largest percentage of of where the cloud spend goes today. Then down the list, database and and depending on what what your your workload looks like storage or or networking. You know, I I, I could see them kind of like taking di different spots in, in different workloads. So maybe a, a little bit of an education on the the options that that are out there for for the other big three. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when it comes to database or like RDS, a lot of times we'll refer to those as a whole as managed services. So that right. would include like AWS RDS, uh, ElastiCache, um, Redshift, you know, things of, of those nature. And what I'll say is that at a holistic level across our customers, they're struggling with managed services compared to savings plans. Um, and I think that um, maybe five years ago, people were a lot more comfortable with some of these managed service uh, commitments because we didn't have as much flexibility on the compute. And now that we have so much more flexibility with the savings plans on the compute, people are a little bit more hesitant to make a more rigid commitment on, on RDS. And so I think when it comes to these managed services, the communication between our teams that are making the purchase and our lines of business, our engineers that are running the workloads, I think needs to be even stronger. What I see all the time happen on RDS is that our finance person looks, oh, we can save X number of dollars per month by making commitment. Easy. We've been running this instance for the last two years. Let's let's do it. But they don't have a two-way communication with the engineer. And then the engineer looks at it and says, hey, I've been running this older instance type for the last two years. Maybe I can upgrade to the latest and greatest. Maybe I can upgrade right. to Graviton. And in their mind, they're thinking, hey, I'm going to save money. My leadership's going to love this, right? And they're right. both trying to do the right thing. But because we don't communicate there, then we can cause problems where we have a commitment that goes unused. And so I would say that we want to be a little more conservative with our managed services compared to the savings plans. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we don't want to go for the maximum purchase. I'd say let's attack it at a line of business level. So, you know, that's usually doing a linked account analysis, talking with those specific business units, kind of doing it one at a time. Let's pick the biggest spending, you know, person on RDS first and then kind of just work down the list. And then also let's take into account, are we on the latest instance type? If so, okay, that gives me more confidence. Are we on like Amazon Aurora? If so, then it's probably going to stay on RDS for the foreseeable future. Okay, cool. Right. That gives me more confidence. Um, so those are some of the things that we want to, extra checks that we want to be making with those managed services uh, compared to a savings plan where we can, we know it's so flexible, we're, we'll be able to use it somewhere, right? Cool. Um, all right. Well, you know, we're we're right up uh, against time here. So um, j- just to to take the audience out, um, if if you have one sage piece of advice for for an organization that that's trying to to get their their heads uh, around commitments um, and and where to get started, what would you tell them? I'd say get into a tool, whether it be Cost Explorer or another tool, and look at your cost and usage and, and look at some of those trends over time. Run some of the analysis reports, you know, recommendations for savings plans, reserved instances, and go and make a conservative purchase. And that way you can see what it's doing in your environment, how it's impacting things. And then two or three months down the road, reanalyze your usage and look, should we purchase some more? Um, if so, then you can kind of run through that purchase process again um, and and know as we get our coverage higher and higher, um, we get you know more to that point where we don't want to purchase anymore. So you know, be, be more conservative as we're starting to get our coverage higher and higher. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the salient point is you don't have to to build all your FinOps capabilities at the same pace at the same time, and and so you you can take your commitment strategy as you know what's right for for your organization and. And, and also try and keep yourself out, out of the worst case, which is you bought a bunch of capacity that they can't use. All right. right. Well, you know, I hope that Wade, we we have the opportunity to 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 have more of these discussions in the future. I'd love to, to have you back on the show and get into to more specific topics. But but I think it's been great. Thank you so much for for being here. And if you're out there listening to, to this nerdy stuff for as long as we've been talking about it, then then you're you are probably truly uh, a nerd like we are. So uh, uh, thanks for tuning in to to another episode of, of Ncast and Wade. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, James. It was a great conversation. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to Ncast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. As you can tell, we love to geek out on all things cloud optimization. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or just shoot us an email at ncast at nops.io. If you'd like to learn more about the continuing innovation over at nops or about our free FinOps platform where you never pay anything unless you save money, check us out over at www.enops.io. Until next time.